Hello, I'm your host, Wendy Myers. Thank you so much for joining us on the Lib to 110 podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about hair loss. Amy Gibson is going to be talking to us about her book and how you can really remove the stigma of hair loss by wearing a wig and working your wig and how to take care of it and how to take care of your scalp. And, you know, when women are going through chemotherapy, the steps you need to take to prepare so that you can get your own wig and, um, you know, just she provides a lot of education on all the different tips and tricks that you can use to utilize different types of wigs. And she really takes a lot of the stigma out of it. She suffered from autoimmune disease herself, alopecia, and lost a lot of her hair at the age of 13. So she spent many, many years educating women on hair loss. And we'll be talking about the underlying causes today on the show. But before we do the show, please keep in mind that this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything that we suggest today on the show. Our guest today is Amy Gibson. She is the voice of hair loss, and she's a leading personal consultant in the country for women suffering from hair loss. As the founder of createdhair.com, Amy has created a company for women to turn to for solid solutions as she addresses the concerns of women globally who are living with the effects of hair loss, as well as those who are seeking to renew their appearance, self-esteem, and radiant healthfulness. Amy's commitment to help other women comes from her own tumultuous journey with alopecia, an autoimmune disorder that causes different stages of hair loss. Her struggle began began at the age of 13 while starring on the daytime drama, Love of Life. At that time, little was known about alopecia, so she had to learn to cope with her crowning glory, literally, on the job while creating ways to still keep her secret. Today, these same techniques, her Pearl program, has been shared with thousands of women worldwide. Amy Gibson has since become the country's leading personal consultant to women afflicted with hair loss and is a national spokesperson and alopecia activist. She has spoken openly in the press and before the state legislature of California in her efforts to bring attention to the issues uh, surrounding hair loss for women and present viable solutions. She has been active in Girls Inc., a nonprofit organization which assists girls at risk in building self-esteem, many of whom have relatives with hair loss, and she's an honorary board member for I'm a Kid Foundation, which educates children in the classroom about baldness. The main intention behind everything Amy does centers upon helping women look beautiful and feel complete from the inside out. You can learn more about Amy Gibson and hair loss at createdhair.com. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Wanting to the listeners a little about your background and uh, how you got into helping women with hair loss. Well, it actually it's not something I planned on doing. So I was an actress for 20 years, over 20 years in daytime television, Emmy nominated, <clears throat> until I started going through alopecia. Alopecia is an immune disorder that you're most familiar with doing what you do. And there are several different stages of alopecia, so uh, we can go over that in the show in a moment. But basically, I started at 13 and a half, 
And by 30, I'd actually lost all my hair. And at that time, I was finishing General Hospital. And there were many things that started steering me in another direction. I was bored with soaps. I also had hurt my back. I was bedridden with a 50% chance of ever walking again and was literally had to be picked up, bathed and put back in bed, had no control below at all. And it was as if I was made to sit because my path was incorrect. And I would keep on saying, okay, Louise Hayes, I would read everything, I would read everything she had, I kept on praying. <laughs> like, what is it, God, that you want from me? Because on the right side of me, I'm trying to produce and things would get bought and they'd fall apart. But the left side of my life, I kept getting these phone calls from my hair loss support groups and friends of mine and oncologists that would say, God, you got a wig. How do I do this? How do I date? How do I work out? How do you wear it? How should I order it? And it got so busy that I realized, okay, one day I remember going, okay, this is very strange. Everything on the right side of my life is falling apart and everything in the left is unbelievably busy. I'm going to charge $15 a phone call. And that got so busy that when I could walk again, which took about 14 months, I started selling wigs out of the trunk of my car. And I'd go to the hair loss centers and oncologist offices as far as 50 miles away and put about a $50 profit on it. That got busy, moved into my house. That got busy, I built a studio. During the time I was sick, I had actually created an eyebrow because I started seeing my eyebrows getting thin and I got, I'm, I'm all into being proactive and not being a victim. Long story short, that same eyebrow, I didn't do anything with. But when I started my business up again and was more stable, I said, you know, that brow, hmm, I want to get some glue for that brow. And there was somebody that I started talking to that to this day, funny enough, I haven't met. And in our, in our phone relationship, he said, you keep on telling me that you have an idea for a swim wig and there's no swim wig for women to give them freedom. And I said, listen, I know because I didn't swim for 17 years and I know this would work. Long story short, the largest manufacturer in the world put up millions of dollars for my line and it went worldwide. And that kind of set me off, you know, I'm on my trail of being much more publicly known and really coming out for women. I was the first celebrity to come out that had real alopecia that was really bald. And it was um, both brave and it was frightening. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 it, but it put me on an interesting journey, right? And in that, I also had a lot of damage from the cortisone to my kidney and my liver. So I took cortisone shots for all those years when I was losing my hair and 17 years worth and many years back then it wasn't as regulated as it is now, the trimisinone and stuff. And so I had to start learning how to alternatively build my liver back and alternatively get healthy. And then of course I met my husband who is in the alternative health world. And now I've kind of come into this world more, which has helped me with my clients more. So when they come to me for hair loss issues, it's all encompassing now, do you know, because I'm realizing it's not just an immune disorder, it's connected to everything, right? Yes, absolutely. And I have a lot of clients coming to me with autoimmune disorders and a handful with alopecia. And it's, it's terrifying for a woman. It's terrifying. Well, you're, you're great at hair testing. It's one of the main things I, I suggest right away. Because my whole thing is let's discount what it's not. So we can find out what it is. Yes. You know, and the hair test is just so incredibly accurate, I believe, far more than blood. I feel that the follicle gives us way more information. And I feel that there are things that we have found out and be able to really help people with that. And the other thing is that the minerals are so important. And I always explain to women because most of the time they're not aware that minerals are like gas in a car. You put the wrong gas in, you don't move as fast or at all. And... 
that really controls our hair. You and I were just talking about that. Which minerals do you think are the most important for hair? Um, boron. Uh, very, very important. And uh, there's other minerals. Magnesium is really, really important right. for a lot zinc. of different. Yeah, zinc as well, for sure. For Actually, for the for the color, when women are graying, they need zinc. Yes. It's really helpful to replace the hair color. Right. Um, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of minerals we need to make our body work, including for hair regrowth, for sure. Right. Right, for sure. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you talk about how you can have fun with hair loss while most women are cringing from the inside from losing no, their hair. No, we want to stop that stigma. We want to stop that, Wendy, because, you know, there are 82 million women in the U.S. alone dealing with hair loss. I would say almost 5-0% of the current population that are dealing with hair loss are wearing some kind of hair addition. I don't care if it's a wig, extensions, toppers, little pieces. I don't care what it is. And thanks to people like Christina Aguilera and Gwen Stefani and, you know, the Kardashians and Jessica Simpson way back when, I actually think that wigs now have become like an accessory, like wigs, like lipstick and heels, okay? And what I've been trying to do is remove the stigma, oh my God, like I must be a cancer patient if I'm wearing a wig. That's the media thing that women think is I must be sick if I have to wear one, when now... <laughs> There are such hip styles. I mean, forget what I created, createdhair.com. I'm talking about overall. The styles that are offered now are not the thick lace. There's some that are very obvious. But we've come such a long way that if women, I always say, if you can change your perception, you'll change your reality. And if women can just shift it just a teeny bit to having fun, I always say, so let me ask you something. I'm telling you, like, 99% of the women have the same answer. I say, so tell me something. Do you like your hair? And they go, oh, I don't know. It's all right. I go, really? So, like, why do you want to write again? Like, why don't we rock? Why don't I give you something that's just about 20% better? Because I don't want you to be so different that women go, oh, my God, I love that piece. What I want them to say is, you look really good. What's different about you? That's when you know you have the right wig on. So when I say it's okay to have fun, and and when you're being intimate, I think it's great to say to somebody you're comfortable with, so tell me something. Are you like into brunettes or blondes? Are you into like legs or tushies? I mean, what's 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 your thing, you know? This is what I used to say before I met Bill. And they'd say, Oh, well, I, I love faces or I love legs, or I'd say, Really? Do you do you like my hair? And they'd say, oh, love it. I said, oh, that's great. Because you know what? Because you can have it because I don't have any. And that's <laughs> a problem, is it? And it's about the smile, right? Or I'd say to him, wow, do you really have a thing for brunettes? Because, you know, I'm blonde. And he goes, yeah. I go, oh, okay. So if I showed up like brunette tomorrow night in leather high thighs and whatever, that would be okay with you. <laughs> He'd say, yeah. So well, guess what? I can make that happen. It's about just having fun with them and removing the stigma that you have to be sick to have to wear one because that really is not the case anymore. And they have got to remove that from their minds. It absolutely 100% is not what's going on now. Oh, yeah. My hairdresser, he does all the Playboy bunnies. And oh, wow. he's a French guy. He's amazing. And every single one of them, he's putting tons of hair extensions and all kinds of hair pieces to make that, you know, luscious hair that they have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but even wigs. I mean, I just did Debbie Rowe. You know, she she was Michael Jackson's, uh, right? She had a kid and she came out about breast cancer recently. And she didn't want anybody to know. And when we did it for entertainment tonight, it was on last week, she all of a sudden came out and she said, you know what? 
I would, I, yes, I have cancer. Okay. So I'm one of those that do, but this is so gorgeous. <laughs> I would like wear it anyway. So it becomes fun. Do you know, it just becomes fun. And I, and I want women to understand that it's not such a stigma. Yeah, and you started losing your hair at such a young age, at 13 and a half, and then the remainder of it, the height of your television and dating career, and most of them, they'd really lose their confidence, and subsequently, the hair loss begins to affect so many areas of their life, their job and dating and partnerships and, and socializing and whatnot. So what steps did you take to overcome the fear and, and your emotions surrounding this condition so that you were able to overcome this and succeed? It was tough. I'm not going to say it wasn't. And, and the operative word being step. One foot in front of the next. And when we future too much about it is when we get lost. So the first thing I had to do, you know, I was lucky to have an, a mom, bless her heart, let her rest in peace, who always pointed out the most positive things in me. So although I had a hard time with the hair loss, I never thought I was ugly. I always, she always pointed out that I was smart or I was this or I was that. And so I was able to have my self-esteem built at the same time, both inner spiritually as well as the outer part of me. But I think women have to get to a point where there is, first of all, a grieving time about their hair. If they, if they ignore that grieving, nothing is going to work. They have to say, okay, let me get to a point. You're going to cry. You're going to, I had a mini nervous breakdown when I lost all my hair. I really did for four or five days. But you have to kind of get to that point before you accept it. And then you go, okay. So the first step is, <sighs> I'm losing it. This is what has I've always known to be my femininity and my sexuality. That doesn't mean it is, but this is what we're brought up with from Barbie doll on, right? All the, all the advertising, on subliminal advertising. And then say, okay, I'm going to accept this, and now I'm going to get proactive. There's, it's like a three-step process, and if they skip to the third, it's not going to work. Because somewhere along the way, it lives underneath. So when they approach somebody and they're okay about it, and then they know the person well enough, which I really believe you need to. I don't believe that you should be on a first date with somebody and go, oh, by the way, listen, you know, I have this terrible thing. Like, I have this hair condition. Men freak out. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, so, it's so funny. There is somebody in the industry who argued this point with me saying that I'm lying in my book, in Sex, Wigs, and Whispers. I talk about the fact that I think you need to get to know somebody longer, not more than, um, not three dates, but someone who gets to know your insides because you're letting out, to me, my secret about the hair loss thing, it's a gift to somebody. It's not something you, you use as a manipulative way to bond with someone, which often women do when they're feeling less than when they've lost their hair, they use that as an anchor. And it's the worst thing you can do because you lose your power. All you're giving away is your power. So when you're going to date and you really know somebody, I, I said to this person, well, let me ask you something. Say you have a date with this guy and chemistry is flying off the wind, right? You're already seeing your wedding dress. And an hour into the drinks, he starts talking about his screwed up mother <laughs> and, how, and how awful she is and how awful she is, right? And then about a half hour later, he starts scratching his back and he's talking about this pimple that he has on his back. And it's really annoying and how it, it puffs up and gets pussy. And he starts getting really gross about this. Let me ask you something. You think at the end of an hour, of an hour and a half, you think you'd be as attractive as you were to him? However, if you knew him for a month or month and a half and you were hanging and go to the movies and he got to know who you were and you got to know who he was and trusted him, that when he told you about his mother, you'd laugh. Or when you'd welcome, you or you'd welcome say, the pimple story. 
or I'd say, you know what, let me pick it. I mean, it would be, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? And I think the big mistake and that women make is we jump in too quickly. So I'm about staying in control and keeping your power. And that's another step. But if you're not comfortable with that person yet, then you wait till you are. And to do that, you need to have your elevator speech. So things like, oh, you know what? <sighs> just had these extensions put in. Oh, my head is so sore. Can you do me a favor? Just, to, yeah, just try not to touch my hair for a while. Thanks. They won't touch it. You know, in the black community, in the African-American community, a black man knows never to touch a sister's hair. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> Ever, ever. It's like known culture. You just don't touch a black woman's hair. Okay. Well, the same thing goes for a white woman. Why can't a Caucasian woman feel good about the fact that she'd rather you not touch her hair? It's about the way you're asking something and the way you're presenting it is the response you're going to get. And the more in control you are, the more somebody will respect it. So those are the steps that I suggest. Was that clear for you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of the the underlying causes of hair loss. I mean, um, because we know there's a lot of different causes and a lot of women are probably out there wondering why is their hair falling out or why have they lost all of their hair? Can you talk a little about that? Well, first of all, I think that women are living in the most stressful times they've ever lived in. I think there are more single mothers. There are women holding double jobs. Um, the economy, I don't care what anybody says, has certainly had its trial and tribulation, trials and tribulations recently. And um, that alone will cause your hair to fall out. Um, I think that I got in trouble saying this on a radio show recently, but uh, hey, I'm a Sag. I just say what's up. Um, I don't think we're drinking the water they say we're drinking, the air they say we're breathing, or the food they say we're eating. And I think that has a huge, huge part and is a huge component of what's going on, especially with toxins then and GMOs and other things that are in the foods. Uh, I think the most common thing is our amount of thyroid issues that are going on with women in this country. And I've often known, you know, I know other, I mean, our alternative doctor often talks about the fact that he never saw as much thyroid cancer as recently from all the Japanese radiation that came over into the United States. And I have so many friends. I am I have Hashimoto's. I never knew how common Hashimoto's is. It's huge. And it's a huge direct source to hair loss. So I think thyroid is a big issue and women overlook it. Until they really say someone says get tested for it, like maybe they've had some weight gain or they're tired, they don't think about it. But it's really, I always say to women, would you please just get a thyroid and an immune panel? Find out where your immune system is. Find out where your minerals are. I think the fact that you do hair testing is absolutely 100% vital. 100%. That's the other core. That's the other part of the core uh, answer here. Um, I think that lack of nutrition is the one that we mentioned. Low iron, uh, low thyroid, huge amount of problems from all these medications and birth control pills and the low estrogen thing. And it's just it's almost like a pandemic. It's everywhere. I mean, I have cli- I never had clients that were in their 20s before until maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I've been in business 16 years. I see more young clients now than I've ever seen. So I think that the number one factor is stress. And then there's female pattern hair loss. And, you know, they say, does it come from the mother's side? Does it come from the father's side? I've spoken to several different derms who will give me two completely different answers. Some say it's the father, some say it's the mother's side. But the bottom line is that female pattern diffusing all over 
or the receding hairline is extremely common. And especially for women, if you look around, there are a lot of women that have hair here and they're really thinning up here. But the good thing is that there are these things called toppers that we make. Have you ever seen a top piece? You know, I haven't. <laughs> oh, my God. I should have had them on air with me. Yeah. They're, they're, they look like this on a wig, right? They're like this. And they clip in with hair. They look just like the front of my wig here. And they clip in, and we match them exactly to the rest of the hair so that you comb in to your regular hair. And it just adds a little bit of volume. It's the, I swear it's the best invention since the napkin. It's incredible. Yeah. But so for women that are dealing with that, that crown hair loss, that's the biggest thing right now with women is that front and top side. So I don't want them to trip because there's so many great top pieces out there. I've been doing them for years and you can get them in synthetic and you can get them in human hair. The main thing is to make sure that you match your hair. The other thing I think is the cause for the whole hair loss is um, the alopecia and the cancer factor. So cancer hair loss and radiation hair loss is huge. And there is a real process. I have a workshop that I've been giving pro bono for 10 years called Amy's Power Wig Workshop, and I take it into cancer centers. And there is an absolute process that women who are going to be going through cancer need to know about because I've had women forego any type of treatment because they don't want to lose their hair. Okay. And it goes into other stages, even go to alternative. They're just so freaked. They're going to lose their hair over whatever they're going to take. And the truth is that there are many things that will not cause it. But if you are going to go through cancer hair loss, you can go to createdhair.com. You can write me at amy at createdhair.com. I have a whole thing that I do for cancer hair loss. And it's a way to prepare so that part of you can relax. And all you got to do is concentrate on your healing. It's huge. Huge. But that's so those main things are huge causes, if that answers your question. Yeah. And I had my own story of hair loss as well that completely freaked me out because I've always been kind of like a chia pet. I've always had a lot of hair and it grows really fast and I have very healthy hair. But I had a, a period where I, I just had tons of hair coming out and it was clogging up the shower drain. And what is going on here? And about a quarter of my hair fell out. And I didn't really have any bald patches or anything like that, but I just had a, a noticeable thinning in my hair. And I did a hair test and I had a huge amount of uranium coming out. And then of course started researching that. And what I found was that there's uranium in a lot of the water in the Southern United States. Oh yeah. And it, especially in California, a lot of my clients that I test in California have uranium toxicity and it's a it's a huge problem it's in our tap water even if you're drinking bottled water or filtered water you're still showering in it every single day and I also know that there's other metals that will cause hair loss as well like copper toxicity women that have the copper IUD the low zinc yes the low zinc problem but you know I want to add something to that and that is the a lot of the wigs that I will get in from women when they don't have a water filter in California or where there's a lot of fracking going on, the hair is so dry that I implore women to get a water filter, not only for their own skin, but to remove the chlorine in the water, especially, you know, also for that. But it will dry out a wig. It will dry out your own hair. And I don't think women are aware of that, mm. you know. 
Yeah, and there's a couple other metals I wanted to talk about in regards okay. to hairless arsenic. Toxicity is, is big, and you get that in a lot of rice products, conventional chickens. The antibiotics, they feed them have arsenic. So this is if you're really, really arsenic toxic. And then thallium. Thallium is a gasoline. Thallium, I'm not, a, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. Tell me about that. Yes, that is a gasoline additive that is added to prevent knocking in car engines. It makes the engines last longer, and we're all breathing that in. And some clients of mine are extremely thallium toxic and will have hair loss as a result. So this is a big problem as well. So you just need to detox your body. And uh, for some people that can resolve the problem. But in the meantime, I love that you're providing a lot of answers for people so that they can feel their best and have, you know, you. enjoy their self-esteem while, because it takes a long time to detox, that it does not happen overnight. So you need solutions in the meantime. So, you know, can you tell us? Wait, a, wait, yeah. I want to ask you a question. How how long does uranium talk, uh, detox take before it starts really working? Uranium, you know, that one using EDTA um, or uh, zeolites. Um, that oh, can, zeolite. You like zeolite. Okay. Yes, I do for some things. It's kind of a last, you know, last resort, but that will help to remove uranium. But, you know, any kind of detox will take a couple of years. Um, it depends on the metal. If you're taking EDTA, you could get rid of that metal in a few months, um, but it just depends on the person and their toxicity level. Do you use um, earth diatomaceous? You know, I do. I don't use it on a regular basis. Um, I think it can be problematic for some people, um, but I think it's it's something that you can use uh, for various detoxes, like something you want to do at home. But it's not my my go to product that I, okay. I use on a regular basis. Okay. Okay. Yes. What else, Mama? What else? Yeah, so let's talk about um, some of the, the best and newest products on the market to help with different stages of hair loss. Well, I really like a product from Japan called Saizen, S-A-I-Z-E-N, that has definitely helped. Um, there's a product called MD Lash, MD Products, by a wonderful chemist and doctor named Susan Lin. She's up north. I like her stuff. You know, I'm not a big one for Rogaine, but it does help along the way. The only problem is when you stop using it, it stops working. And I don't love putting stuff on the scalp that's, you know, not organic. So I have an issue with it, but it does help for those women. I mean, I have women that use it for 20 years, and that's okay if that's what works for them. Um, you know, the salt palmettos of the world and some, and believe it or not, uh, prenatal vitamins are also great for a lot of women that are able to grow their hair back. Biotin with zinc and copper combination really works. The lasers that are out there, there's a little misconception about this because I don't find that laser therapy works without a topical. If you don't use their topical formula with it, I don't find that it's, it's as successful. And many times they're not told that. Women aren't told that. So I think laser is a good alternative, but you've got to use the topical that is made from the company with it. Those are the three things that I like a lot, mm -hmm. three or four things. Are you, are you seeing clients getting results using PRP, using stem cell therapy? That's interesting you should say that, but it takes... Now in Thailand, um, I had stem cell procedure on my spinal cord at one of the best places in Thailand. And obviously I'm walking, thank God. But... They do it, and it takes 22 sessions for a stem cell into the head. That's with pure stem cell from adipose fat. Now they're doing it with blood. And the PRP, I'm not sure how many. Was it 10 sessions? 
isn't it 10 sessions over six months time for the PRP, I think it is. Isn't that how many sessions? Do you know? I'm not 100% sure. I, I just think saw it's like 10 sessions. And that, you know, I think anything with stem cell, I'm a, I'm a huge fan because I believe that it does work. It's just that not everybody's body adheres to it. And it's expensive. As quickly. It's, it's very expensive. It's expensive. I mean, oh my gosh. And hopefully that will change soon. And I think it is changing. But, you know, as long as the insurance insurance companies don't cover that much with hair, we're at a loss regardless. And they just don't. And I spoke at the California Senate about this a long time ago. And it, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves is to change the way the laws are happening at Congress with insurance companies. I don't know if they'll ever change, but I don't feel that they recognize the severity of what a woman needs to for her own well-being. It really helps her own well-being, especially with the cancer clients. I've worked by the bedside bedside at Cedar sinai for years for my cancer patients, and I literally can see them totally become stronger and wonderful again when they feel like the woman they were before they lost their hair, you know? So I think wigs are important and the, and the, and the treatments are important. What can women expect when going through cancer treatments in regards to hair loss? Well, first of all, I think the key is to make sure that you take care of this prior to starting your chemo. You know, when women are going through this, they're on information overload. Forget the fact that nobody ever even discusses hair loss. It's not something you discuss at dinner. It's not something you learn at school. So now you're getting all your information about your own level of mortality. And on top of that, the first thing that goes through most women's heads is, what about my hair? I recently interviewed Joan London because I created the first cancer hair care center on cancerconnect.com recently. And there's a magazine called We, we Magazine. And I interviewed Joan. And the very I said to her, what was the first thing that went through your head when you were diagnosed? She said, oh, my God, am I going to lose my hair? Yeah. It's the very first fear, right? So I think women need to be prepared and move that fear aside so they can absolutely focus on what they need to do to heal. That's number one. So the steps are the following. Don't depend on the fact when your oncologist or somebody tells you, oh, you're going to lose it like 17 days after the first treatment or you know, you're going to lose it after your second treatment because it really depends the level of health your body is at. I have many, many clients who lose their hair in one session and they're not prepared. Take lots of pictures of the way your hair is because women forget 72 hours. They forget the real color their hair was, the style it was, the length it was, because they're on information overload. Okay? So these are some of the steps. Number one, after you take the pictures, if you think you want to make a wig with your own hair, createdhair.com, I, I love doing that for my cancer clients, but just know that there's a six or seven week lag that it takes to make them. So what we do is we'll get an, a synthetic really comfortable synthetic that will look like the one we're making so they can interchange and then quickly and calmly go right into the human hair when it's ready. And they keep their discretion, which is so important for most women. Secondly, you also want to take little samples of your hair color because if you decide not to make your hair with your own, you make a wig with your own hair, you want to remember what your color was that you loved. So you want to take the top and put it in a little baggie that says top and the sides because your hair most of the time will grow back. It may not grow back the same way. It's going to take a couple of years for it to come back. I hate when they say your hair is going to grow back a, a half an inch a month because it doesn't. And they really raise the expectations of, of women. And it's very devastating. It's better for them to just say, let's get it healthy. Because the minute they stop, if they're in treatment, cancer treatment, the minute they stop their treatment, they're going to see little baby white fuzz. Well, it takes time for that white fuzz to get thicker. And then it takes time for it to then start to grow and start to get healthy. 
And it takes a long time for your hair to get back to what you knew before. So what you want to do is take lots of pictures and have your samples. So when you go into a wig store, you could say, yeah, I really want to look like me. This is what I look like. And this is my hair color. Could you please match that? And you want to have the tools. The more tools you have, the more in control you'll be and the more empowered you'll be during this particular time that's out of your control most of the time, right? Wigs are the one place you have control. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, it's such a wonderful service that you're doing because it it is, it's amazing that Joan Lennon said the very first thing that came through her head is, uh, I'm going to lose my hair. And what about your life? And, but it's true, you know, as women, you know, our, our beauty is very highly prized and your hair is what makes you, your, your hair is what, um, for a very you know large portion of our beauty, it comprises our beauty. Well, and- that's what we're. That's certainly what we're made to believe. I, I will be honest with you. You and I are probably the same. I don't think you'd go out bald, and I don't go out bald. I just yeah. don't see that. <laughs> bad. But I got to tell you, when a woman comes to me for a wig, and or a hair loss consultation, let's say, and she walks out and she doesn't buy one, and she says, you know what, I just don't think I'm. This is me. I think I'm okay walking around one. I, I don't think I want one. And I'm like. Girl, God bless you because I can't do it. <laughs> but I honor those. You know, I talk about it in Sex Wigs and Whispers. I talk about the fact that I am not only about a wig. If you want to go around bald, always wear lipstick and put some eyes on so you have some face. You yes. know, and then, you know, it's fine. It's fine. But with cancer patients, I think the biggest thing they need to realize is it's going to come back. Your hair is going to come back. And what you need to do. Most clients that come to me are with me for two years. Not only are they with me prior to take them through the hair loss process and in buzzing their head, our girls will buzz their head nice and short so the wig is more comfortable for them and we teach them how to wear it more comfortably and how to make sure it stays on their head and everything else. But we also help them in the regrowth process and then how to make the transition from a wig back into their own hair. And that's a process that nobody really teaches you. So that's why they stay with me a long time. But I think for most cancer patients or women losing their hair currently, it's so important to know that it's not the end of the world. It's just not. It's not. And that with not only the wigs that are out there, but the type of treatments now, there are some cancer treatments where that you won't lose your hair, but they're just starting to come out with those. Most of it will, will still do that. So being prepared is the key. And so what are some of the ways that you teach your clients to take care of their, their scalp and their hair follicles and things of that nature? Okay, first of all, it's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, when you're going through cancer treatment, you know, as you know, um, the chemotherapy releases itself two ways, through urine and, persper- and perspiration, right? And so when you perspire through your scalp, the, the follicles are going to get clogged. Just because you lose your hair doesn't mean you lose the follicle. It's still alive, okay? So it's getting clogged from all the chemo. You've got to keep your scalp clean. I am really into scalp hygiene, whether you are going through chemo or not. If your scalp and you're keeping it dirty, it's going to get clogged. You're going to lose your hair. There's a great product that I didn't mention before called Hair Support by a company called International Hair Goods, where people will freak out because they'll take it and all of a sudden they'll find shedding in the beginning. But what it's doing is cleaning out the follicle and that really does help the regrowth. It really does help the hair come back. So... I love witch hazel. Some people may find it drying, but I actually think it cleans out the follicle really well. Soap and water. I don't like anything with too much alcohol because it's too drying, but sometimes witch hazel is necessary. Uh, Good soap and water, a good tonic, believe it or not, Clinique 
has a tonic for the face that I love using on the scalp. And, you know, if you do that twice a day, if you're somebody that's just running around or whatever, keeping the scalp clean is, is hugely important. And so you mentioned a book that you wrote. So why is your book titled Sex, Wigs, and Whispers? I really like that title. <laughs> <laughs> because women stop their lives. They stop their lives from having sex and intimacy and dating and hanging with their friends. And they become this hermit. And there's no reason to. So it's just learning. If you have the tools, you can do anything. And it's not, I only have four sexual positions. I mean, you know, there's some <laughs> positions there that I call instead of, you know, instead of doggy doggy, I say rough, rough. But I mean, there's most of it is how do I approach somebody? How do I keep my power? Part of the book is really autobiographical with all the lies that I told for years in television, because when People Magazine covered me, they went to every single person in television that I'd ever worked with. And no one ever knew that I had hair loss. There was only two people that knew, and that was the makeup and the hair person. And they were together in the same department. And the one producer who made their deal with me that he made his deal that he would never, ever say anything. Nobody really knew. So all those lies got me through. I talk about that. I talk about the tips that I teach in my Amy's Wig Workshop. I talk about how do you walk against the wind? What do you do if you're walking against the wind and you don't want your hair to fly up in the front? It's very, very simple. You simply go down. If the wind can hit you here instead of here, you're good. I'm not mean walk around like this, but there is a way where you can catch the wind and I talk about it. How do you take a jacuzzi with somebody when yeah. you're wearing a wig? How do you swim? How do you work out? How do you approach your employer when you're sitting under fluorescent lighting and he's on top looking down on you most of the time as you're at your computer and you're worried about your wig. These are all the things of really how to give yourself freedom. The, we, the reason why I talk about sex, wigs, and the word whispers is because I talk about the many, many years of personal molestation that I went through, sexual molestation, and the part it played in my hair loss. And it was with my father, and I talk about it, and I touch on it, and he just died recently. He would have been 100 years old. Can you imagine? Gosh. Three three weeks ago, um, and we and I was able to forgive him, and we got through that that time. You know, you had to, you had to let it go, and somebody's going to go right. But um, it it was very strange because during that whole height of my molestation is also when I was losing my hair. But I also at eight months old, someone had touched my bottom at a party my mom had, and they had staphylococcus on their hand, and they I guess they weren't aware for the first five years of my life. The only treatment they had was giving me too much tetracycline, which of course turned my teeth brown, right? And dipping me in very, very, very almost scalding water so that the boils on my butt would burst into the water and not go back into my bloodstream. So I remember screaming until I was like five years old. And then it went away. And then it came back when I was 13 on the back of my knees. And my father freaked out. He goes, oh my God, it's back. And then it went away. But then... I got alopecia and we weren't sure, was it the molestation? Was it the stress of the molestation? Was it my suppress, my immune suppress that had my immune system that had been suppressed? Was it the stress of being an actor at such a young age? We did not know what it was because alopecia and hair loss is just such a mystery disease. It's just ridiculous trying to figure out where it's coming from. It stems from so many places. So I do talk about it in the book, which is where the whispers comes from. Yeah. And we know that adverse childhood events, ACEs, it's proven in so many studies to cause disease. You know, you have these mental traumas and shocks, and they have physical manifestations in the body with 
all kinds of diseases, autoimmune disease, cancer, and other diseases that people get, it dramatically affects their health later in life. Yeah. So, you know, that, and, and I think also in my career, because I had to keep it quiet and make sure that nobody knew. And these lies really kept it from my castmates and producers and even the press and even friends. There were a few friends that knew, many didn't. In fact, when I went public for the first time, <laughs> I remember I had dated this guy Oh, he was so self. Oh, he was so self-involved, and he calls me up. <laughs> Unbelievable. His name is Barry. I talk about him in the book, and he calls me up. I swear, Wendy, and he goes, "Hey, it's Barry." Now, he. Do you remember Est? Do you yes, remember? Yes. Okay, yes. so he was a real S follower. And he would say, you know, Amy, God, I really am so proud of you, what you're doing. And, you know, but can I tell you how I feel about something? And I said, sure, Barry. He said, I just really feel betrayed. I said, really? Why would <laughs> I said, why would that be? He goes, because we went out for two years and you never told me. I said, oh, really? Well, first of all, number one, uh, like usual, it's not all about you. And number two, maybe I didn't feel safe enough to tell you. Oh, and by the way, could you do me a really big favor? He goes, Oh, sure. Anything aim. I said, would you uh, listen to this tone? And I hung up. And I just thought <laughs> that was so typical. But so there were many things that the, that the book really shows a woman how to absolutely have freedom while she has this foreign thing on her head that she can really make very innate. This, there's very funny things in the book. Like when I was on a bus on 57th street crossing and I was, it was a hundred degrees and 90, thousand percent humidity and this Adonis came on the bus and stood right in front of me and I'm thinking oh my god he's looking down at my wig and then a handicapped person came on the bus and I gave her my seat immediately and I'm standing next to this gorgeous six foot four with green eyes like totally my type and (laughs) you know how you hold the bar on the bus and we're holding it and we hit a pothole and his watch caught onto my wig oh god and as he pulled I pulled back but my wig had become such an innate part of me that when we went for tea afterwards, um, he, I decided this was not somebody I was going to date because he was getting separated and I didn't want to deal with that again after something I'd been through. And I said, let me ask you something since I'm never going to see you again. Did you, did, how did that feel when you, your wig caught on to my watch, your watch caught on to my wig? And he said, oh, I felt terrible. My God, I felt like I was hurting you. And I said, really? Because it's a wig. He said, no way. I would never have known. I let him feel my wig. And I'd never let anybody do that, but I figured, what the hell, I'm never going to see him again. (laughs) So there's a lot of very funny, uplifting, a lot of affirmations at the end of each chapter that um, we we hit our 100,000th sale recently in the book. And I was amazed because when I first wrote it, I didn't know if anybody would buy it. I, I really wrote it more as a cathartic thing for me, you know? And thinking if this can even help one person get out of their room, you know, I was told I was stupid my whole life and I'm never going to be anything. And if, if I could do what I'm doing, wow, if she could look at me and go, wow, if she could do it and I'm bald, I could do it. If, even if it makes that one person. Yeah. And so can you get this on Amazon? Yeah, you can buy it on Amazon. It's Sex, Wigs and Whispers on Amazon.com. And, um, and it really takes a woman from A to Z. It really does. There's all kinds of styling tips in the back. It's a big problem. Women don't know how to maintain or wash their wig. They don't know what it takes to make sure that they extend the shelf life of their investment. I don't care if it's $200 or $5,000. If you don't know how to take care of it, you might as well say goodbye to it. It's a yeah. waste of money. Yeah. You know? And also how to make it look like you, right? Yeah. How long can a wig last? Again, it really depends how you're taking care of it. Synthetics, normal synthetics will go maybe five months, eight months. 
my cyber wig and my water wigs will go a bit longer. Cyber hair is a better synthetic and go up to three years. Uh, the water wig maybe a year, year and a half. And human hair, oh my goodness, human hair can go anywhere from three to six years. It really depends how you're taking care of it and sending it in to get refurbished and to get reconditioned. And it's like a baby. You've got to take care of it, you know. But I think the most important thing is what a woman feels like about buying that wig. Mm-hmm. And doesn't and, and I don't want her to feel like it's it's a negative experience to have to go buy one. I would love her to feel like, wow, let me go rock. Let's find something that, that I can put on my head and I'm out of the house in five minutes and I look fabulous and change her perspective on it. If, if she could do that, this entire hair loss experience would completely change her life. It really would. Is there anything you want to add to our conversation that we haven't covered in depth <laughs> enough? <laughs> um. I think about children. We haven't covered young children. And for the mothers that are listening and that that do have children that are going through hair loss, I sometimes think that when a woman's bringing in a child that's four years old, it's more for the mother than it is the child. And there are some young girls that that, that really don't feel uncomfortable about it because they're not made to feel uncomfortable. The problem is there's a lot of bullying at school, which is why a lot of these young kids why the mothers feel it'd be better for them to wear it. And to be honest with you, a lot of times I agree with them. It takes a very strong child to walk in bald to a school. It really does. It's becoming more and more common, but it's still not a way of life yet. And for those teenagers or the ones that are from 10 years old on, there are wonderful organizations that they should know about, like the National Alopecia Areata Foundation. It's called NAF.org, Alopecia World. Um, uh, those two really give a lot of information. They can write me at amy at created, C-R-E-A-T-E-D hair.com. I'll certainly try to help them. And I do Skype three times a week, three hours a day as well for women all over the world So and, and kids. So it doesn't matter if you're older or younger. There are answers. There's a, There are real solutions here. So you don't have to feel lost in the wind. That's the most important thing I want to get across. Yeah, well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And I have a question I'd like, I'd like to ask all of my guests. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Mm. I think poverty is one of them. But in terms of health, other than our homeless, I would say our nutrition problem. The lack of good nutrition for most people. I think I think it's getting more and more difficult, especially, <coughs> pardon me, since Monsanto bought Whole Foods. I, I feel that we're not really buying and getting the things that we need for our body at the optimum level. So I would say good nutrition. In terms of real diseases, my goodness, I'm not a doctor, but I'm seeing uh, certainly more thyroid issues and blood disorders than I've ever seen with women coming in the door. What do you think it is? Um, I really think toxicity. Uh, mm-hmm. I really think it's a, a huge um, um, overlooked problem. And it's med- most medical doctors, unless they're a functional medicine practitioner, are not looking at it. And, you know, they're not looking at nutrition and toxins as an underlying root cause of disease and, and hair loss as well. And, right. uh, you know, when you're not looking at those very obvious causes of disease, you're not going to be able to help your patients. 
very well. So I think that's something that people, that's what I, I've dedicated my life to is, you know, waking people up to getting proper nutrition and detoxing their body to resolve their health issues and diseases and diagnoses and symptoms, no matter what they are. By the way, anybody who's not getting your emails, they need to really sign up and get them because <laughs> they're one of the few they're the type of emails that get out there that's all about selling and you are giving away such incredible important vital information in those emails that I hope that any person who's listening signs up for them because you truly give so much in these blogs and these newsletters that you send out and I love every single one of them so thank you so much for your work well thank you also and tell the listeners where they can learn more about you Sure. Uh, Amy at createdhair.com. You can write me. You can go to my website, created, C-R-E-A-T-E-D, hair.com. Uh, you can also always call one eight seven seven four wigs That's 367-9447. I certainly, I try to get back to everybody within a, a day or two. I get a lot of emails, so please have a little patience with me. You can find me at cancerconnect.com, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on on Instagram, on Twitter, and all that stuff. So I, uh, I certainly welcome any questions because I'm a hair loss consultant. I'm not a doctor. I'm a wig designer. And I can certainly understand your symmetry and know what to create for you to make you look like you again. But I don't want anybody to miss to be mis, uh, under, I don't want to be misunderstood to be a doctor because I'm not. Okay, I'm great. a consultant. Okay. Thank you so much, Wendy. Have a great day. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And listeners, if you want to learn about learn more about me, you can go to mineralpower.com where I have my lots of information on my detox program. And you can also visit me at live2110.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a fantastic, healthy, happy day. 